you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world raise $130 million in growth funding and can help you fast track product market fit and where relevant, the launch of your token economy. So today I'm happy to welcome on the show co-founder of Meme.com, Johan Unger. Welcome, Johan. Thank you. Happy to be here. So Meme.com is a memetic asset protocol and using fungible and non-fungible tokens allows people to create meme markets, allows anybody to create a meme market. And it's not as crazy as it first sounds. Um, so, you know, I think it's probably obvious to most people, but memes are this meta language for the internet, maybe for society as a whole. They're the ultimate social currency. And of course, they drive pretty much the majority of attention on the internet, but they aren't really monetized by, by their creators and stuff. And so we're going to get into how meme.com enables all that to happen. So aside from that being a fascinating conversation and a fun one too, um, there are several other reasons why I've got you on the show. So you and your co-founder, Matthias, just came through our last accelerator and graduated recently. And um, it was a pleasure working with you both and, and watching kind of your evolution from Marble Cards. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but of course, you know, memes certainly rule crypto um, and crypto markets, but you could argue, you know, wider degen culture. And I think with everything that happened last year with Robin Hood and even more recently with uh, Dogecoin and Elon Musk, you know, it's it shown that memes are not only fun, but they, they drive markets. Um, and, you know, Doge is perhaps the example of the first instance of the financialization of a meme. Um, and so, you know, clearly there's something going on there, perhaps generational, generational shift. But, you know, we, we can see the beginnings of a, of a meme economy. Um, and so we're going to unpack that with you. And of course, as I mentioned at the top, you know, one, one way that you allow for the creation of meme markets and, and trading is through NFTs. Um, and I know you're also uh, a degenerate collector of NFTs, uh, not just your own that, that come through marbles, but more broadly. But you're also a serial founder in both the media and crypto space. And I, and I think, you know, meme.com is the, the perfect convergence of, of those two things. Um, so let's get into your background. As I said, you're a serial co-founder. I could see at least what was it, four, maybe five startups, largely out of Sweden and Scandinavia. But why don't, you, why don't you walk us through your background a little bit? Sure. I started my company uh, right after school. It was, I was always fascinated with online content. When, when blogging came along, I was really fascinated how they were able to take stories from the internet and sort of package them uh, into, into things that were interesting. So my first company was a news aggregator that aggregated a bunch of different blogs and, and news sites and stuff into a UI in your browser. So you could follow your interests and 
consume content that way. It didn't really work out um, at the same time that we sort of launched that Flipboard came out for the iPad, just and, and that really took off. So we decided to put that on hold. But while trying to raise money for that company, I came in contact with a, an entrepreneur here in Sweden who was about to start a uh, company called Sprinkle, which in short was a publisher product that recommended content between news sites. And there I saw a big opportunity to use part of the technology we've built at QLart, which was my company's name, to also recommend advertising and, and other types of media on these new sites and also expand it to, to blogs and so on. So we joined forces back in 13 and grew the team from three people when we started to over 50 people with 10 offices around Europe. So that was a, a really cool journey. And we learned a lot about how do you package content? How do you find out what people consume? Uh, and how do you measure results and, and sort of make sure that, that people consume as much content as possible? Then in 16, I got really interested in crypto. I, I heard about Ethereum on a podcast, and I was really intrigued by the ability to use tokens as an incentive mechanism. Because that's always an issue. How do you get your first users? How do you get your first like, customers? And to be able to use tokens as in, to front load uh, value creation in that, in that way was something I was super interested in. So we started experimenting in-house at Strossel with different models when it came to, to tokens. So at the same time, Basic Attention Token had just launched their white paper, I think. Uh, so instantly, that is super interesting. That's something we, sh we should experiment with as well. So we developed a small proof of concept of a basic attention token sort of copy, um, but kind of quickly realized that publishers wanted nothing to do with crypto at all. They, they, they thought that was a scam, basically. And we still tried to iterate on that and talk to, to more publishers and advertisers and so on, but it didn't really go anywhere. But then in 17, a project called... Um, Block V came out and they, they, they had developed something they called smart items, which was effectively NFTs. Um, and there I got really interested in that. I thought that, wow, that, this is super, super interesting where you can use tokens as a way for the first time to have digital items, not only digital money or digital currency, but actual items. I'm a big gaming fan, especially these things like Zelda. Uh, where you collect items and really work hard to get the most rare items. And so that really resonated with me. And then later that year, CryptoKitties came out and experimented with that a lot. And then early 18, uh, we dropped the in initial basic attention token idea and came up with the idea of having one token per content, per URL. And that was something we thought would be quite powerful. And so me and Matthias, my co-founder also, was at Strussel, we left to focus fully on that idea and to build that out. So in spring 18, we started Marble and yeah, started building that. The rest is history. Yeah. And didn't you meet uh, Matthias? Wasn't he involved in the acquisition of one of your companies? So initially we met uh, with my first company. He was a sort of advisor. He had another a text analytics company here in, in Malmo as well. So he was kind of an advisor, but then at Strossel, we actually bought his company, his text analytics company to use that technology as part of our content recommendation engine. So he came on as CTO 
uh, and grew the tech team from five developers to 25 developers. I mean, it's great that, you know, you've, you've done multiple ventures with one another and you can really see it in, in how you interact. It was, uh, it, was, it was fun working with you both. So let's, let's go into Marble Cards a bit. You know, it's been running for, what, three years? Yeah, since January 2018. We're in, uh, you know, coming to the summer of 21. Um, can you describe how Marble Cards work? And I think you've had over, what, is it 100,000? Marbles? Was it more now? Yeah. 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 110K now, I think. Right. Right. So the core concept is to be able to capture moments on the internet almost in the same way you cut something from a newspaper to frame it. You would marble something to eternalize that moment or that thing on the web. And you do that by copying a web URL, pasting it to the site. And if it's available, i.e., nobody has marbled it before, you can pay a small fee and then the NFT gets minted. Um, so it's a way to collect um, your interests or things you discover or things you think are important on the internet. And then we've built this layer on top where people vote on their best cards, almost like a Reddit type of thing. So we rank cards in different categories. It could be movies or crypto or art and so on. And the um, and, and basically it creates like a randomly generated frame around that, which has this marble effect, hence uh, marble cards. You can also then battle them, right? So there's a kind of competitive element to, to it. So on the one hand, it's like identity, but... Yeah, exactly. So you submit them to the arena, we call it. So you submit a movie card to the movies arena, for example, and then it battles other cards when people vote on them. And so if your card is good, you earn marble coin, which is the, the token um, for effectively having created a good piece of content. And it's, it's picked up quite a community, right? You've got a very active Discord server, and I know a lot of that's now translating into to meme.com. But it, it, like, can you kind of give us, quantify the kind of community? Yeah, so community has always been one of the most, if not the most important thing for us. Since day one, I have been in Discord <laughs> big parts of the day, day in and day out, uh, engaging with people, talking about what we're doing, why we're doing what we do. Um, and just making sure that they are in on the vision and the reason why we do things and also just listening to them, what they want. So we have, I think it's closer to 5,000 people in Discord now, um, which we involve in all aspects. We have something called a player council, for example, where we have the most active people and every, every decision that we make, we ask them first for feedback and, and thoughts and ideas and, and very often they come up with things that we later use in, in what we then do. So community has is, is, is been super important uh, over these years. And it's amazing to see that they've stuck with us for, for all this time. And so what is the behavior? You know, why do people marble things, do you think? Is it different for different people or is there is like a, a common pattern? I think it's different for different people, uh, of course. But I think like a common thing is... With a marble card, it's very versatile. It can create anything that you care about. And there's something called the IKEA effect, which is effective. You care more about something that you put together yourself. And we really, really see that effect. People come and say, okay, I marble this thing about this movie I just watched, or I marble this, um, you know, this music piece I just listened to. I marbled it as a memory. Uh, and they're really happy with it. And look how good it looks. So it becomes like this. 
pride in having found this thing that they marbled and then they actually did the thing to marble it and now they have this sort of token or artifact of the that story so it's a very very in in the nft space i think it has a very powerful storytelling mechanism that many don't have since in most other projects you have the creators they're in charge of creating everything whereas for us the users or the people marbling are the actual creators yeah yeah no exactly they're kind of putting some of themselves into the nft and i guess in a way it's 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 a form of atomized meme right or mimetic because people are taking a snapshot of a particular moment and of course um a lot of the things that are marbled are memes the derivatives of memes or you know remixes of memes um which obviously kind of leads us into what you're now doing with with meme.com um but but maybe kind of before before we we go there um you know the stuff that you've had to work through at, at marble cars as i said you know you've you you're coming from a media background you know you've you've worked with advertisers you've worked with content creators um prior to marble cards and then continuing at, at marble cards because ultimately the web pages belong to somebody and i know a lot of time and effort has gone into thinking around copyright and ip and what does ownership look like in the context of memes can you kind of talk us through that yes so briefly about how we deal with copyright on marble what you own when you own a marble card is the frame then there is an image of the the share image of the site or the page you marbled is in the circle of the card you obviously don't own that image it's there as a link back to the the original page so that's how we're able to display these images um, but you don't own them what you own is the frame and the attributes and, and the nft and the the url uh, on in the marble layer sort of but our take is the reason, both for meme.com and, and, and for Marble Cards when we launched that, is we saw this, we have this vision of uh, anyone being able to, if they believe in something, no matter what it is that they find on the internet, they should be able to capture that somehow. It should be detrimental to the, to the person or the thing that created it, but they should be able to capture some kind of representation of that thing. And so when you marble a, Super Mario, for example. Obviously, you have no IP claim on Super Mario. Nintendo can come and take it down if they want to, but you still feel that, okay, I marveled this Super Mario here. I have, because I love Super Mario, I've captured some of that value. And the same thing goes for memes. Like Nobody owns a meme, but when I remix a meme and when I help spread it, I get this satisfaction, okay, I, I, I'm part of this thing. And that is what we want to amplify. We want people to be able to get more credibility and, and, and sort of see that they were contributors of the meme and also have some kind of financial aspect to it. Because we believe that once you add a financial aspect, the results become much more interesting. When you start to measure things financially, they improve, you get more data, relevant data, um, and you can measure them against each other, which likely will improve the overall uh, quality of the memes. And obviously, if people can get some kind of return, they will also spend likely more time and effort on it. Yeah, and I think, you know, understanding the idea of ownership in, in the context of a meme, as you say, you know, a meme is a is a social occurrence. 
Um, so it might have an originator, you know, the, the person that maybe did the initial illustration, photograph, whatever it might be. But for it to become a meme rather than just somebody publishing an image, it requires an ecosystem of activity around it, right? You have people remixing it. You have people sharing it. And I guess currently, none of those people, often including the originator, participate in any of the financial upside that's generated from a meme. It's really the advertisers that are, you know, placing out ads around the attention that it's driving, right? And so I think if we kind of look at the meme economy in that context, what are the learnings that you've had at, at Marble that are now kind of carrying forward in what you're thinking to do with meme.com? And we'll obviously explain a little bit about what that is in a minute. One is that people get very passionate when they have some kind of meta ownership layer to it. So they put in so much time and effort to promote what they have created. They create like sub memes around the thing that they have created. And I think if I am an advertiser or a publisher, anyone, and I want people to create uh, content around my stuff. What you see now, you see things on Twitter, for example, like we're running a, a meme contest where we're bountying this, whatever they, they're bountying, maybe their token or some money or something. But if there can be a, a way for them to, so what we call it, we call it meme expeditions. If it can be a way for them to fund an expedition, but then the actual users, they keep this feeling of, of meta ownership and sort of belonging in that thing. We believe that one, it will become much more organic because people can collaborate with it. They can see okay, who created what things. Um, so yeah, I think building a structure where it's not only you're paying the, the meme creators, but you're actually having an, a system that lets them create and collaborate and then outcome around a certain thing. And then out comes these memes or these assets that people can in different ways engage with. I think that is a much more interesting and organic approach. Right. And so when you joined our accelerator, you came in as Marble Cards, and it was in the accelerator where you kind of developed or refined this idea around meme.com. Can you, you know, talk us through what the aha moment was and and you know, the relationship between Marble Cards and meme.com, the meme markets, I guess. Yeah, meme expeditions. Oh, is that what we're calling uh, it now? Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I love Marble Cards. I think it's some of my cards are, are some of my favorite NFTs, but there was something lacking in terms of, since anyone can create anything, there's like no, there was a, almost like a storytelling layer missing. And during the accelerator, what you guys were really good at is making us as founders sort of look up and see the bigger picture. And I remember you said, if you, if you weren't doing this, what would you do? And then we talked about how memes has, had always been for Marble, a very, very core component of the community and what people marveled and so on. And so, we would like, we discovered, we would like to double down on memes. And then I'd had this idea of something called hashtag markets for a long time and how a 
hashtag could effectively be used as a top layer where then there could be different assets underneath. So you could have cards related to that thing. So it becomes like this mini um, storyboard where people can submit cards around a certain hashtag. And then having this market structure um, that lets you in a better way measure the value of that hashtag. And that's what we discussed with you guys and you yeah, gave us a lot of good feedback and, and, and that we should probably focus on that side more, at least um, for the foreseeable future to get that out as well. I mean, the meme market as a concept has been around for a long time. Nobody's been able to crack it yet for a number of different reasons. But I think the learnings in the community we have with Marble, now meme.com, and so the, the, the base layer we've built, now adding this um, layer on top with meme coins and a market structure for these memes, um, that really allowed us to get more interest from, from investors and from, from the community and people outside of the community coming in and, and want to learn more about this. So let's talk about the kind of building blocks or, or components of meme.com. You refer to it, I think, as you've got memetic assets and then you've kind of got these memetic tooling. And as I mentioned, there's both a, a fungible and non-fungible token component to it, right? So could, can you talk us through like the building blocks and then um, maybe give us an an example that kind of illustrates, because it's already live, right? I mean, you, you already have... Um, these these expeditions live. Yeah, and this go we have them. Um, I can get into that. So a mimetic asset, obviously it's a vague thing, but to us, a mimetic asset is a an asset that track the uh, value, the perceived value of a trend or a meme. So it has no underlying um, connection whatsoever. It's priced solely based on how people perceive something. So it's kind of, it's a bit similar to a synthetic asset that track an underlying like oil or or the USD or, or so, but here it's a perceived value of people, uh, the perceived value of people in a trend or a meme. And so a marble card is a memetic asset in that sense. If I marble something from a movie that I like or something, I have no underlying connection to that movie, but it still manages to capture, at least for me as an individual, some kind of representative value for that thing. So that is a mimetic connection. But where the difficulty there is that you can create an infinite amount of marble cards for, for any meme, um, whereas we then start thinking about, okay, what if you have one coin for each meme that then goes up or down in price based on demand? So that I think will be a more effective memetic asset to determine actual value of a trend. Um, so the way the meme coins work is basically you, anyone can, can start it by defining a hashtag and is then a bonding curve is created where people can buy in or sell out uh, based on how they perceive that value to be. So those are the two main memetic assets on the platform. And then the tooling around it is to be able to find, to be able to support the sort of pricing and people buying and selling, we have something called memetic staking, which is effectively, we measure a bunch of different things all the time. So for each market, for each trend, we look at how 
the associated images for that trend is shared on the internet. We look at page rank and social media activity for that hashtag. We look at how what cards are created out around this hashtag and how are people voting on those cards and engaging with those cards. So those things become like the, the mimetic value, um, st- mimetic value stats basically, which then determine which markets, which coins will get dividends basically. So each day there's a dividend pool that goes out to the coin holders of the highest performing um, hashtags or markets or trends. Yeah, very cool. And that maybe just add, so those are the financial components. That said, we believe it's also equally important that A, it's fun to engage with. Um, so the entertainment value, we believe, is much more important here than, say, on a crypto, crypto exchange or something. So we're building in these different mechanics where basically a way to fund meme creation for each market or expedition, as we call them. So all the fees... Most of the fees that are generated when you buy in and out of a market, when you stake um, the meme coin, that goes into a pool that, based on which memes the community for that um, expedition like best, will go to those creators. So it's also a way to fund the creation of memes around those things. And those memes are then turned into NFTs and awarded to the, to the top holders. Right. So it's not just kind of in retrospect where, you know, people will be maybe capturing uh, rare pepes and, and kind of, you know, that's the meme. And maybe that they are speculating on its uh, its life cycle, how much longer it's going to be around for. Or, you know, if all of a sudden it has a new derivative, it takes a new life, a new form. But actually, it's it, it can allow for the kind of genesis or creation of memes themselves. Yeah, especially for crypto-related memes. And, and, and so I think it's definitely a good genesis platform for memes. And also when it comes to brands and, and other people that want to have memes created, they can initiate an expedition, um, fund it to some extent, and then just watch people engaging and creating and maybe buying, funding it, a bit themselves as well, voting, trying to find out the best means. So it becomes like this small ecosystem around the, the trend that is forming using these different incentives. Uh, that said, if you believe in Pepe, you should definitely hold the MPEPE token for, for the long term, just as a speculator. You can do that as well. You don't have to engage with, with all those things around it if you don't want to. But we think it's, it's critical for it to be, we feel like, feel like it's something, a living thing rather than just a sort of yeah, marketplace for memes. And what tokens exist today? Because as you said, there's, there's, you've been having a number of different experiments, uh, several of them during the Accelerator program in your Discord server with your users, right? So since the start, almost uh, with Marvel, we've, we've had this strategy where we, when we want to build new things, we first test them in Discord. So first we test them manually, where me and Matthias, we just, we act act the system. And then when we find something that, that works fairly well, we build Discord bots. So that is that stage we're at now, where we have a Discord bot that manage uh, the creation of, of meme expeditions, the creation of the coins, people being able to buy and sell them and so on. 
And the memes that are currently trending, obviously, we have Doge and Pepe and Harold. Uh, we have Wojak, Keck, um, Bogd, the Bogdanov <laughs> meme. Uh, let's see here. I think those are the top performing ones at the moment, which I also think reflect the sentiment of what are the most valuable memes to a good extent, even though it's a very limited user base at this point compared to when we actually put it live on meme.com. Yeah, so can you tell us about the plans for, for meme.com? So once it breaks out of Discord, you know, what happens? Where does it go? Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's interesting to see that already you, you see quality, um, quality and measurement being able to be generated, even though we have this very basic uh, setup. But the plan is to go live with the first version of meme.com during the summer. And then people will be able to embark on the first meme expeditions uh, by funding them, taking part uh, in the rewards that are generated by staking their meme coins. And also, if they want to dive deeper, create memes and vote on, on, on which ones should become like the official treasures for that expedition. And those are then turned into NFTs and dropped to the holders. So it depends on what you want to do. If you just want to speculate, you you go in and you once it's live, you buy a couple of the memes you believe in and stake them for yeah, hopefully a decent return. So there will be different players, player types, I think. Cool. All right. Well, look, Johan, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Um, it's a shame we didn't also have Mateus on, but we normally only have one funder at a time, one founder at a time. Um, but it's going to be really exciting to see where this goes. As I said, like the more you dig into it, uh, the more interesting it is. Like on the surface, I think it's it's quite easy to dismiss, but you know, like clearly, if you look at the success of um, Doge, which at least until now is 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 a meme coin. You know, meme coins have been been used as a bit of a dismissive to you know projects, crypto projects um, in you know the alt class. Um, but clearly, you know, there is actually a market for actual meme coins, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how those play out. The so sort of trend looks to be that investing in speculation is moving more and more into also be entertainment. If you look at GameStop and AMC and stuff, people, a lot of young people, they buy into that stuff just because it's fun and entertaining. And so that is what we want to capitalize on as well, to be able to build a, an environment where people can both speculate to some extent, but also get a lot of entertainment value out, out of it. And so the, again, the vision, having having anyone anywhere see a trend or a thing on the internet that they say, wow, this is something I really believe in. It's going to grow in, in popularity. Okay. I want to get involved. I want to get some exposure. I want to, you know, do different things around this thing. And hopefully if I'm right, I will, it will show us credibility, but also some financial stake to it. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Because ultimately, you know, if you, if you look at like TikTok investor, there's like a, a Twitter channel for TikTok investor, which is hilarious. I, I don't actually use TikTok myself, but um, you know, you can see a lot of the people there investing. They've got no clue about the underlying thing they're investing in. They're investing in it because it's a meme. Um, and so actually, what's the difference between doing that and just investing in a meme, which they they probably understand and can and 
price and value more than they could uh, a stock. Um, Johan, it's been uh, great to talk to you. Really looking forward to seeing what you come out with in the summer. Um, and thanks for coming on. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.